This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Lynn Freeman, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Rachel Roloff is on a mission to grow a love of science among early childhood and primary school children. She's a teacher, entrepreneur, and now author. Her book, The Living World, is a resource for teachers and parents full of ideas and activities to teach children basic science with creativity based on the natural world. Rachel says you don't need Bunsen burners and Petri dishes to instill a curiosity and love of science. She's with me now from her home in Auckland. Tēnā Rachel. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? Very well, thank you. Well, let's start by getting to know you a little bit better, a bit about your background. You taught here and in the UK. Yes, that's right. I um, started off in, in Auckland at an um, intermediate school, and then I went to London and Hampstead um, and taught at a private school for girls there for probably just over a decade in teaching science. Uh, what's the difference between the two countries as a matter of interest? Are they, are they vastly different in our approach to teaching science? Well, I think um, it's hard to tell. I did teach at a private school over there, so that was quite different. And what I found is that I had a lot of freedom, um, and I made it. I had a lab for a start that was all set up. Um, I had a lot of resources. Um, I wanted to buy anything, I just did. Um, and the girls came to me probably four times a week for a good hour, lesson each day. Um, and then when I came back to um, Auckland and in New Zealand, I found that there was quite a few um, challenges actually make it a bit harder. What sort of challenges? And, um, yeah, well, there's probably um, five, yeah, probably five challenges that I think. Um, and they are, it's, well, for a start, it's budget, um, little money, so that makes it um, challenging. Um, so it's not many resources. You want a whole um, class set of beakers or test tubes or things like that. And also time, but to make it hands-on and fun, you need a lot of time to set up and gather all the stuff and make it exciting. So I think that's quite difficult. And I'd also had the feeling that just general classroom teachers are not, um, don't tend to be really confident with science. So I think they steer away from it. So well, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a lot to be done on all of those fronts then, really, <laughs> Rachel. Yeah, it's a, it is. It's an issue. And, yeah, well, yeah, and that's why I wrote this book. So I thought that would help um, teachers here in New Zealand and just, um, it's sort of like a one-stop shop book where um, it's, it's really affordable. You can do it at home as well, so it's parents as well. And um, you can just, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of background information, just basic stuff for primary and early childhood. Um, you don't need to know too much at that level. Um, and everything's affordable, it's simple, fun activities. It's got all the learning outcomes and the gear that you need, how to set up, um, lots of extension ideas. Um, there's also a, a uh, that we can actually go on and download materials and things like that. So I think that would, I hope it helps. I really hope it helps people when they take it on. Science can be intimidating. I was one of those kids who really struggled um, with it. So why is instilling a love of science at an early age so important? I think it's, a, it's an amazing uh a wonderful opportunity, I think, because children are so curious at that age, and um, you know they've got lots of questions, and the answers are always interesting. They're always interesting. You know, if they ask, you know, why has an elephant got a long nose? You know, it's got a, it's got an interesting answer. Why kiwis can't fly, and uh, why do cactuses have prickles? All that's really interesting answers. And I think if you get in there early, because no, no um, age is too young. 
if you get in there really early, you can actually get a, they fall in love with nature. If they fall in love and have a passion for, for nature and science, they're more likely to take it on as a subject later on, but also more likely to protect the environment as, you know, be environmentally responsible adults. And that's that window. So you need to get in there early, I think. Actually, well, that's, that's, that interests me because I was talking to uh, an outfit in Dunedin who is working on predator control for the Dunedin Town Belt, a story that ran over oh. the summer. And from memory, they were working with uh, primary schools and secondary schools, and they were also working with preschools, early childhood. And I was so surprised by that. But they said, no, it's fantastic getting the young ones out. You know, they'll take them out into the, into the town belt and talk about predator control and things like that. And they're very engaged and really ex- oh. excited. Oh, I'm not surprised because they're out there doing something for a start. They can see the changes they make and they're understanding it. They're doing something. Um, and I think if, when they understand what predators are doing and they understand it, they understand all the special things about our native birds um, and what they're trying to achieve, they'll, they will grow to be, um, and they'll keep it on. They'll keep it on and be in the forefront of their mind. They'll, um, you've got a, a lot of, when they go out there, adults, um, I think you have to um, value nature. You've got to value it and you've got to um, understand it, to appreciate it. And then when you do that, you actually realise all the impacts that you do um, yeah, it does affect everything. It affects everything in the environment. So um, getting out there early is good. So. You mentioned earlier that you feel that uh, there are teachers in New Zealand who, I mentioned that word, intimidated by science, but are anxious about teaching it. They're not specialists, and this is in the primary intermediate mm. level, but they need to get their head around it. Uh, so what can we do um, to, to turn that a- around? I think... Um, so making it making it hands on and creative, I think that's what is the main thing. Um, you can, um, it's um, yeah. Because it's not just about money, is it? It's, it's not just it's not just about no. money. Is this something that that needs to be addressed at at, at training level for teachers? Um, yeah, I think so, and I think it, it's it's not, it's make it, if you make it creative, I think teachers are very creative people, and if you bring arts and crafts and that sort of thing into it, I think that helps. If you um, and it's starting at at home too, I think um, parents can do this. You go out and you you can just look at just the environment you're around. The, the teachers don't have to do it in class. You don't have to have a lab. You can go out for walks in the in the school um, property and gardens on local beaches in the bush, and you can actually and, and collecting things and sorting things and um, and using, yeah, I, I just don't think you, you don't need money. You can use recycled jars and you can, that sort of thing too. So you, don't, you don't need money to do it. Well, you've certainly been inventive. Gosh, this book would have been handy for so many people during the uh, the period of lockdown, but it will find a home, I, I think, in, in houses and uh, in schools because budgets, we mentioned before, budgets are an issue and primary schools can't shell out for those Bunsen burners and Petri dishes. And I thought I'd give an example of what you've got here, um, one of the many you've got here, Rachel, which is instructions to make a digestive tract model. And you need the following. You need a quarter of a cup of orange juice, quarter of a cup of saliva, it's going to take a bit of work, half a banana, <laughs> cream cracker, a metal tray, which is the body, a plastic cup, a paper cup with a hole in the bottom, one leg of a pair of stockings, watch out, and um, scissors and a Ziploc bag, and, and you're able to make a you know a digestive tract model. Yeah. But I was just thinking, I mean, you could go online and you could Google, uh, you know, illustration of digestive tract model. Why is making something, creating something like this, going to enhance the experience for kids? 
I think we the kids need to do something, and so you need to, if they're doing something, they remember how, and it's fun doing something. Um, when um, I actually based the book on um, the uh, 22 urges of play, um, it's a theory by Penny Brownlee, um, and they're all natural patterns of, of of play. So things like collecting and sorting and posting things, uh, you know, when your keys go missing, kids have opened a wee hole and can't find things. Um, if, you, if you have activities that involve those play um and which that which is all doing work because they're all doing that they're going to they're going to enjoy it they think they're going to think it's fun they don't want to sit there writing they want to go and do so with that digestive tract part of that the the run up to that um, making that model of that digestive tract is actually the big long bit of rope and it's nine meters long and that's how long um your digestive tract is and kids don't no, they don't understand what nine metres look like, but if you stretch it out, that's really long, and that's really fascinating. They'll remember that. They'll remember that forever. They'll know what, you know, <laughs> that big length of, you know, of, of an organ inside you. It's quite strange. Um, so I think when they're doing something, um, that's how they remember, and that's what they see as fun. So many things you can do, and in the book, that of every single activity, I think there's over 170 of them, um, they, are, they involve one of those 22 edges of play, and it's all doing things. We're doing and it's quite messy too. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's messy, and there's lots of tips in the book where you know, you know, there's things how to keep that mess at bay, like big plastic sheets and things like that. But about you spoke about the money before. Um, I, I had started off in the book for each chapter making big, large boxes of um, of gear. Just if you are organised, you can put all the gear in a big box and it's just ready to pull out. And you can do that in the classroom. Do that at home as well. Um, just with jars, containers. Um, you don't need beakers and test tubes, but what you do need, as a teacher, it's easier for parents at home because they've only got a few kids, I guess, but in a classroom, you can have up to 30 kids in a class. You've got to have enough gear for each child. I think it's a really important message because, like I said, doing is so important. It's, it's not fair for a kid to be watching. You need to be able to do it yourself, so you need enough gear for everybody. So I've got lots of ideas in the book about how you, you know, how to pack those boxes so that it's all ready to go and it's easy. You know, You've broken, you've, to do that themselves. you've broken it into the book into sections, um, Rachel. You've got plants, yeah. animals, mm-hmm. and people. Which was the most fun yeah. for you to write? Uh, well, for me, it was fun. Well, the, the people is pretty fun, actually. There's a lot of things about uh, lots of things about the body systems and senses. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot of fun, actually. Uh, yeah, the scopes and um, that sort of thing, and the models where you talked about that. Um, the, Digestive tract is a good one. Um, there's lots of races um, making blood. Uh, we have about five litres of blood in the average human body, and so they've got to fill up um, a bucket of red blood here. It's made out of um, food colouring and things. But I also like the, I do like the plants, lots of things to do. Um, I think it's important for kids to start off that chapter, I think. It, um, it, it, it's growing plants. And again, you don't need expensive things. You just need a, a, a of seeds, the bean seeds, something like that. Um, and you don't need fancy um, pots. You can use um, shells. You get a carton of eggs um, and um, take the top off them, empty them obviously, put a bit of soil in there, and you can put them back in the carton. And they look lovely with the little seedlings growing in eggs and can plant them straight into the ground afterwards. You can use orange skins. Um, you can even use compact disc um Containers, you know, we've got them all lying around the house now. We don't need them anymore. You actually put a bean plant inside the CD with soil, and you can see the roots coming through um, through the through the glass plastic, or through the plastic, I should say. You can see the whole thing working and growing. Um, that's fun, and a nice one in animals is um, uh, the first uh, dissection. Which you're doing dissections is 
thing where it's a terrible thing to do with kids, um, with, with animals or whatever. But you can actually get a, well, it is an animal, but it's a green-lipped um, muscle. And it's a really lovely, simple start for a, uh, for a small child with small little hands. They don't need knives. Um, a great way is to um, boil the, the green lip muscle up and they just need some, maybe could use a little um, nail scissors, they could use that, probably a bit gross, but you know, give them a good wash after it, it'll be fine. Some tweezers and you can actually open up the um, the muscle and you can see the little heart in there, the little stomach, the um, intestines and that's just a really fascinating, fascinating way to um, look at the inside of an animal. It's a nice, sort of a gentle way into these things. And, I, and kids really enjoy it. It's just airing and airing, but they, they really do love it. There's lots of different things you can do. You've also, I mean, it's a very clearly laid out book, and I'm, I'm on a page, I think, in the animal section, which has learning outcomes, mm-hmm. and this is what children will be able to identify, uh, and their observational skills and their investigations. You've got a science vocabulary. You've got science mm-hmm. skills and patterns of play. Is this is this more for the teachers because I'm I'm not sure at primary school but you know being able to to explain what outcomes yeah. they expect to get from these activities exactly. if they take them from the book yeah yeah and also um, teachers have got to justify what they're doing in class they can take it straight from the book they can just instead of fussing about doing all the planning which takes a lot of time they can actually just pick up those words and put in, these are the vocab, this is the vocab they're going to be covering, these are the learning outcomes, and then they can choose through so many different activities what they like and what they think their children would like the most, and then just pop that into their planning, so it's all done for them, um, that's why I did that. But also it's nice for um, parents to be doing it at home, it's nice to know um, what the kids are learning, um, there's things about, I think when you're looking at the chem- talking about camouflage and sort of under survival, animal survival and things like that. So it's just trying to make it really... Uh, it's just easily to, to you know, set out for teachers so they can just use that. But I think, yeah, just the parents at home, it's nice to know what, you're, what the point of the activity is too. When you were, when you were trying out, when you were trying out these activities, uh, Rachel, at home, were there any that were particularly difficult for you? Any, okay, here we are. I want to come up with something. We've used a digestive tract, but we're going to come up with something to illustrate this part of the body or this animal or this plant. And you just, for the life of you, struggled to do it. Um, well, the digestive tract was quite hard, I'd have to say. It really, really was. <laughs> it was very messy. I, I did, um, yeah, and I was trying to use things around the house that people could have. I mean, there's lots of gear you can use, but it's expensive. So I was trying to, it was just problem solving, just trying to find things around the place that could work. But yeah, that was that was a bit tricky, I'd have to say. But um, I think most, I go on long dog walks, so I think of these um, things when I'm walking. <laughs> you know, I think about strange things sometimes. <laughs> it's a joy for you also when you try it out on the young people it's designed for. I'm sorry? Is is the thrill for you also when, you, when you've come up with these ideas and then you try them out, you road test them, oh, yes. if you like, with the oh, young ones? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, um, yeah, it, it really, it sort of feels like, oh, check the box, that worked. Because sometimes I have these ideas, I think it's marvellous, they just don't even react. So I'm thinking, okay, that didn't work, and that's a bit depressing. But the one, when it works, it's, oh, it's so great when you see them laughing and having a good time and wanting more. It's, it's really great. It's a really lovely experience, actually. I've tried them on lots of different kids. And funnily enough, a lot of them I thought that would be quite a bit too babyish for older kids. They love and, and also get probably a bit more out of it too. So it's a deeper understanding sometimes. So a lot of these things, you might look at them and say, oh, it's a bit babyish for my nine-year-old. But actually they love it and they and they understand, they go to a deeper level with the, with the learning behind it. So, yeah. 
I just think about the timing of this. I mentioned before, gosh, it would have been lovely to be in the hands of, of people during the lockdown period when so much homeschooling was going on. Oh, I know. But, that but would actually, have been good. That's I, true. But, but on, the, on the flip side, because let's, let's be optimistic here, because families have spent so much time together with the young ones and, and doing experimentation and playing, getting them outside if they can and, you know, and experiencing the, the fresh air um, and outside of the, the schoolroom. I mean, maybe this, this is the time because they're part way, the, the parents in particular and the kids are part way down that track of going, actually, there's, you know, the classroom doesn't have to be the only place where the children yeah, learn. It's absolutely right. And I think just even looking at um, on Facebook posts lately, everybody's taking um, photos of outsider, taking, going on big, lovely family walks and taking photos of fungi on trees and, you know, beautiful photos of nature and all sorts of things. So I think people are seeing that. And it doesn't have to be in a formal, a formal environment. It doesn't. It's, it's natural. It's all around us and you're learning all the time. I think at home, um, if parents can be really enthusiastic about um, nature around them. I think um, it inspires kids to be. You've got to take that time. I did notice that people were um, stopping and taking a bit more time when they're out and about and looking at a bird of prey or a nest or a, um, you know, a spider web or bees collecting pollen. If you take that time and show kids that, um, they, they actually appreciate it too and they see the beauty. And I think that goes on for a lifetime. If you take the time when you're younger and you encourage them to look at those little details in nature it carries on um, you know it's something that comes part of their life and it's got to be good for mental health I think when life gets a bit crazy it's nice to see those simple beautiful things out there that we're surrounded in but it just takes a little bit of time to find sometimes yeah, I heard, I heard about a couple of um, young sisters from Kororia, suburb in Wellington, who wanted the lockdown to go on forever because they were out every day <laughs> identifying birds. You know, they lived in a part of Wellington oh, that's, that's bird rich. Yeah, and they got that's such nice. a thrill. You know, they'd yeah. photograph it, then they'd take yeah. it home and they'd try and identify it from the photograph or the call. So, you know, silver linings. Yeah. We've got to look for them in these tough times, I reckon. Definitely, that's true. I totally agree. I totally agree. Now this is the start of a series, so having having um, had a look at the the, uh, the plants and the animals and the people, uh, what are you moving on to next? Yeah, so that was a book basically. That's basically biology. Um, so now we go into material world, and I've finished that one. Um, we're just doing the photos, finishing off photos, um, and that's on uh, chemistry. So it's all about matter, looking at um, different types of matter, looking at properties of matter, looking at reactions, um, uh, and that's. That's quite an exciting book. So that's that science. And people think of science, they usually think of test tubes and things um, exploding and lots of colour. So that's that book. Um, and that's been a really exciting one to, to do. Um, and I'm just sort of beginning um, putting some ideas together for the physical world, which that's, um, that's physics. And then finally, I suppose I'll do that next year. It's um, Earth and Beyond. That's all about space. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you it's like changing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. You like yeah. this, I think. We've got a text in from Joe saying, at Play Centre, I set up a science table with mirrors and batteries and bulbs and wires, as well as leaves and plants. Mm-hmm. Mirrors, uh, Joe says, were particularly interesting to the children, set up in parallel or to represent a periscope or a kaleidoscope. They were just seven oh, centimetre wow. strips cool. of mirror with the edges protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, they had walls. So there's lots of, there are some great oh. ideas going, going oh, up there. there's lots to do for that one. Oh, no, it's brilliant. That's really good. But I like, I love that I started off as um, the living world because I think that's what I'm most passionate about. Um, I, it's, I've always been into nature. I grew up on a lovely um, sheep farm as a child and that I think being surrounded in nature from such an early age, that's part of it. And, um, and I really do believe that as parents and teachers, if we can get in there really early, I think we can instill, like I said earlier, that love for, 
to nature around us and um, and then people grow into adults that will protect it and it certainly does need protecting we all know, know the differences it's been with the lockdown um, there's been massive changes in our environment and less pollution worldwide we've seen all that on, on TV and what have you so I think it's important Thank you Rachel, great to talk to you that's Rachel Roloff and her book is called The Living World